Welcome to Day Zero Update for September 24th, 2023. I'm your host, Chris Ologi. I'm Brandon Perkin. And I'm Dan Victoria. And yeah, we've got a bunch of news this week as yep. TGS happened. Uh-huh. Uh, a decent amount of stuff got dates. Uh, a couple things from that Xbox uh, TGS showcase. Not really much there, but a few interesting bits uh-huh. uh, as well as... Uh, Let's see. We got Unity. We got updates on that. Uh, one good thing, and uh, and updates that I would say did not happen in the time frame they promised. Uh, they yeah. said a couple of days, and that meant Friday, almost a week later, yeah. which is not the case. But uh, also that FTC case is still going on with uh, the Microsoft acquisition, and that sure. Uh, led to a bunch of documents getting out that probably should not have been. Yeah. Uh, we got some some information on things that are probably not 100% accurate on what they're planning, but probably close enough yeah. that we got some ideas of maybe a new Xbox Series X version coming up, maybe a new controller, yeah. uh, and some other things there. So we'll get to that stuff later on. But before we do that, we'll talk about what we've been playing uh, and I'll mm-hmm. start off here with the first Descendant. Uh, this is an upcoming free-to-play game coming out of I think it's Nexon. Um, this is in an open beta for this weekend, uh, so I played a bit of this, played it uh, for stream, and enjoyed it a good bit. Mm-hmm. It's basically Warframe meets Destiny uh, in a lot of its uh, ways. So. Warframe in that you, when you start, you get to pick uh, one of three descendants. And then sort of once you get out of the the starting stuff, uh, you can find a a menu eventually that shows like, oh, there's like a dozen here that you can eventually unlock. So those are kind of like the the Warframes of them having different abilities and such. Though, you know, your main main thing is shooting dudes. and sort of in the way that, you know, Destiny has sort of classes of guns. Uh, that's a thing here uh, where you probably start off with an assault rifle and a shotgun and some other stuff. Uh, though they're not doing Diablo style weapon drops or anything. Um, as far as I've seen, you may have different. No, I, I don't know that there's rarity to it mm-hmm. so much, maybe at some point, but a lot of it's just like, oh, I got you know, a level five version of this gun. And it's like, okay, I should replace my level three version with that. Uh, Cause you know, it's going to have better DPS to it and all that. So that kind of stuff uh, you do get, I forget what they call them. They're like, they're like little chips that add bonus stats to your weapons. And you have one for yourself. That's a very Warframe mm. uh, mechanic to it, especially in, the the sense that it has certain ones that are like oh you can only have one of these on your on yourself for yeah. uh, at once that kind of stuff uh, and you also have a limitation for how many you could have at once equipped mm-hmm. uh, it'll tell you like you could have twenty seven points worth of these and then you might get one that's twenty and you're like oh shit that one's pretty good mm-hmm. might be worth sacrificing you know having a few others extra on there that kind of stuff so. Uh, that kind of stuff you have. You have some side equipment stuff that boosts other stats. Yeah. And that's where you might get more Diablo-ish kind of randomized loot. 
that might have extra bonus stats to them uh, based on the rarity, um, that kind of stuff. And had a couple of things that are like, oh, if you equip this and then have, you know, a shotgun in your arsenal, you'll get, you know, extra bonus stats uh, versus yeah. just, you know, nothing bonus if you don't do it. So I was like, all right, it's not uh, too painful to do that kind of stuff because uh, all the weapons are pretty useful. It's probably more of a, a feel like what kind of weapons you like, whether you want some longer range stuff, shorter range stuff, uh, that kind of stuff. But yeah, your uh, your character it is a third person shooter, mm. much like Warframe. So it's pretty well done for getting around places. It takes a little bit to get used to it, but you have a a double jump. You also have a grappling hook to kind of pull you up to areas or across gaps or whatever, but you can also jump pretty well to get around. Uh, so kind of lets you explore areas pretty easily and kind of get up in uh, some of these more close, uh, closely designed areas that uh, makes it pretty easy to get around. And yeah, you have a home base called Albion. Uh, I think sort of like the, the home place in Fable. Mm. Albion, I think, is the world in Fable, I think. Um, but that's where, you know, you run into your different vendors that are doing different things. You got a message box because it's a free-to-play game. Uh, mm. They're doing special uh, bonuses for jumping in this weekend uh, for each day. So I don't know what all translates to the final game or not. Mm. Um, but they do have uh, some special stuff just for, like, playing the game, getting to level 20, which... I played for like two hours and got to level seven, so I don't think it's uh, that hard of a, a time to get up to level 20. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like the, the neat thing is sort of instead of like going on story missions, you kind of have Destiny 2's kind of open world structure of going to these areas that you'll see a couple uh, mission markers around. You go do those things because early on it's just like do 100% of the missions here. And you just go to each one, and they take tells you, like, oh. oh, this will take less than five minutes. You know, other people that are around can join in if they want uh, and help you out. So kind of party up that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty nice. And then, yeah, usually once you get all those done, it's like, all right, you need to go to the next area kind of thing. And that's uh, where that opens up some more stuff. And that's where I started getting to the, the more difficult missions. Mm-hmm. Not so much in terms of dying. Uh, the only time I really died is when... Uh, the game crashed uh, one time, which it's a beta. So I wasn't too surprised. It had some issues like that, but for the most part it ran well, looks pretty good. Um, and when I did one of the missions, a bunch of people joined in and basically it was super easy at that point. Mm. Uh, they do have some bigger, more co-op oriented uh, content in there. I didn't try any of that, but they did have like, uh, harder stuff in there for people that want that. Uh, but you're kind of paying attention to your loot, uh, going into it every once in a while uh, to double-check things, see if you got better weapons. Uh, you can sell dupes if you want, or you can uh, break them down into materials that you'll eventually find some mm. merchant that lets you turn into other things or upgrade weapons. I think I upgraded... Our, Upgraded my mastery level, which is another level thing. Um, I use that to 
upgrade my inventory, and you can tell the sort of game that this is when I upgraded it from 75 items to 76. So not like a major jump or anything. It's just like, oh, you can hold slightly more. Uh, and so it's like, oh, they're they're playing on you, not uh, you know, getting out of out of uh, uh, getting too big on that stuff. Or you just never have to check your inventory really. Uh, so they're going to make you work for every little bonus thing you get. So, mm. uh, but that seems neat. Uh, little game. The story is like it's the future. Humans have been destroyed by the Vulgus, as they call them. Uh, these weird monster creatures, and then the descendants kind of show up as like mm. powerful humans that can fight back. Though they just fight with uh, uh with guns, so I don't know how powerful they actually are. But uh, the three you have, you start off with, uh, have different special abilities. The one I picked was the 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 woman who has like ice uh, spell mm-hmm. stuff that she can do. That's pretty neat. Uh, though the downside is that most of her outfits have uh, boob windows on them and, you know, very tight pants to show off her butt, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's like, oh, yeah, this is uh, a game from, I think, South Korea. Uh, that kind of design to it. So I found, I think, one of the outfits I got for logging in gave her an outfit that didn't have any of that. So I was like, all right, this is a good start. Yeah. Um. I only had one like special color, so I just made all the parts of it with that one color. So they even make you unlock specific colors for your customizing your stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's definitely one of those kind of games. But I'll probably keep an eye on this when it comes out, maybe later this year. I don't, I don't know that I could find a specific date for it just yet. But that's the first Descendant. Oh. Uh, let's see. Also been playing some more Starfield, uh, dealing with. Uh, an issue of stealing my first ship, but it being a much worse ship than the one I started with. So I need to figure out a way to drop off some contraband somewhere. I think I'm just going to go back to my house and mm-hmm. just literally drop it on the floor and leave <laughs> uh, and then go back and swap out my ship to the one I want. That has plenty of inventory space versus one where I have to uh, deal with a bunch of bullshit before I can do anything really. Uh, so, yeah, that's Starfield. It's still just kind of a thing I dip into here and there. Um, and the other game I got from Gamefly, Armored Core 6, because I wanted to try that out. And shortly before the podcast here, I was trying to figure out if I hated the game or not. Because uh, the uh, they throw you through a quick tutorial, just like how to do movement stuff and some of your weapon stuff. It doesn't really teach you that much. Yeah. Uh, to it just literally tells you what buttons <laughs> do things and then mm-hmm. no real other concepts so I had to use guides because the, the boss at the end of this first mission is a helicopter that just wrecks you if you do not know what you're doing yeah. and that feels like uh, maybe a harsher start of a game than From has had in a while because uh, usually their Souls games are not too bad Mm-hmm. On that stuff, they have a boss that will usually wreck you with like mm-hmm. one or two hits, but you also start off at a bonfire and get the chance to build up to beat it again. Yeah, that kind of stuff. This, the closest it does that is it checkpoints you. It checkpoints you before you do the thing that spawns the boss. Uh, so you have to sit through like thirty seconds extra stuff. Ah, uh, 
before that, uh, but it does refill your Estus flasks essentially. You have health kits for your your mech, but uh, the the mech that you start with has like a, a sh- uh, you know a gun to shoot stuff, but it only shoots for like a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. The other problem is there's meters and UI stuff going on that I have not parsed what any of it means. Yeah, that's the thing about Armored Core games is they're they're much more about on the technical side of everything, making sure that you've got all the you know equipment that you need going up against a certain level. Um, so yeah, that that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, so I figure out like one probably relates to that gun, but. There's so much going on. I have no reason to pay attention to it. Uh, there's a mis- There's a missile shooter that can shoot every so often, but I have no clue when it's ready for another shot. Yeah. So I, I hit the button the bunch to see like, oh, can I shoot more? It's like nothing comes out. I'm like, okay, not yet then. Uh, and this boss, like your, it seems like the the big thing is you want to instead of your typical kind of from software thing of mm-hmm. like turtling or whatever. This boss yeah. is designed to not let you do that. Yeah. Cause it has heat seeking missiles that'll literally just go around bit buildings. You're hiding behind yep. kind of stuff. And it's like, all right, this is, this is a fucker. Yeah. This is, if you're that, it's the, it's that type of game. You got to roll, you know, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's no roll. Uh, kind of there is. It's a well dash or whatever. Yeah. It's a dash that. Also uses up your energy meter, and so I was like yep. looking at guides, and it's like that's a soul. That's a soul's game, all right. Yeah, and it's it's like oh, you gotta go flying. And I'm like I can only fly for a little bit because if I'm trying to, uh, and the big thing for this boss is you need to use the the sword melee weapon, which mm. you can only do like two slashes every so often, mm-hmm. and so it's like okay, you try to essentially get up against it uh, and the 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 slash will pull you towards it, but the boss loves to go out of bounds, uh, and you'll see big walls with you know red text on it. Be like, no, you can't go here. The boss can, but you can't. So, fuck off. And the boss has a really good time stunning you, uh, making you sort of run out of your energy meter to you know be able to move around quickly mm-hmm. and so you kind of really got to pay attention to like when it's shooting missiles at you to try to dodge that stuff and then uh probably have to land to refill your meter to go back up and fly and maybe see if you can you know do some sword strikes to do it because there's a stagger that you know again this is stuff the game does not tell you uh, and it's like reading guys like oh staggering is the best thing I'm like i don't even know how to do that and it's like oh you you basically just have to like kind of get it perfect, perfect area where it stopped moving and you kind of do the sword strikes and maybe some other stuff at it at the same time. And you do enough damage at once. It sort of staggers for a bit, but then you're out of, you know, sword juice. And so you mm. got to hope you got missiles or something else to shoot for a bit. And yeah, it's, it's like a game where eventually you get money in a storefront to buy, you know, new parts and, weapons and such to build out a more robust armored core. Mm-hmm. But what you get to start with is a very basic and the game doesn't do a great job of telling you really how to play it properly, mm. which I feel like souls games have gotten much better at that stuff. 
uh, with that. And oh yeah, I forgot one more game, Liza P. Uh, I played that on Game Pass, uh, which yeah. is the Pinocchio Souls-like. Yeah. Uh, with a, a bit of flavor of Bloodborne as like a spooky uh, kind of game. Mm. And uh, it's really good. I'm like yeah. it so far. Um, yeah, and much like Bloodborne, it's not really trying to uh, allow you to really grind or turtle as much as you. Yeah, it's would like trying to. more like Bloodborne. It's it's it, it rewards aggressiveness. Yeah, the, yeah. You're you don't want to try and defend your you know constantly defend yourself because that's not how the enemies react in this yeah. game. Yeah, um, they they do things like if you do damage to enemies, mm-hmm. they lose a chunk of their bar, but you also see like a, a shadow on their bar of like mm-hmm. a lot of the damage you did. And if you don't go back to continue attacking them, they'll regain health, uh, a chunk of their health. So there's uh, incentives yeah. like that to like, okay, you got to keep on them or, you know, or live with them regaining some of their health you know, mm-hmm. whatever works for you. But um, the the bonfires only have so many upgrades it allows for you to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once that you can, you know, go back and, you know, refill your health with it, maybe store items in it. Yeah. Uh, otherwise you can't do upgrades with it. Uh, but where I'm at, you know, once you get past the first boss, you kind of run into a, a big home base area, mm-hmm. uh, a hotel that you can do your, upgrades there with a specific person which is a very souls-like thing to do mm-hmm. um and so that's kind of a, a thing but you can also warp between them so if you're really intent on finding one that you can save at you can kind of warp around for one that probably lets you i don't i haven't really done any of that stuff so mm. um but yeah it's it's got good creepy vibes because you got the the puppets hanging around doing their thing and they're, oh, they're yeah. kind of very mannequin esque. Oh yeah. Uh, which gets to be pretty creepy uh, at times. So yeah, it's a, it's a good game. Good times. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, definitely just does not try to let you really grind up in a way that souls games, uh, people have been able to, you know, uh, exploit souls games before. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, Oh, just this, you know, this one enemy type, you know, drops a lot of uh, souls. So I'm just going to keep farming this for a while and get a bunch of, you know, damage mm-hmm. upgrades, that kind of stuff. This doesn't allow that as much as you'll just get less each time you kill those enemies. Uh, they don't remove them like some Souls games have. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so it has a lot of cool stuff there. So yeah, I'm looking forward to put, put more time into that. So. That's been pretty much all for me. So, Brandon, what have you been doing? Uh, well, uh, first and foremost, I am still playing Baldur's, Baldur's Gate 3. I've gotten, uh, I am, much like last week, I'm now in the, uh, still in Baldur's Gate itself. I'm firmly in Act 3. I'm trying to bring resolution to all of the, you know, companion quests that I have. Um, all of which are... Uh, they're they're not easy, definitely, and a lot of them are very uh, the the choices that you can make in these are very uh, perilous to say the least. Um, I recently finished uh, Asterian's uh, storyline with uh, 
we found uh, Cazador, who was the guy who turned him into a vampire spawn in the first place. Um, and originally, when I was going to fight him, I had Asterion in my party to do it. But the problem with that is that Asterion, uh, because he is still technically a thrall to Cazador, means that he can basically be controlled and contained by Cazador. So immediately before the, before the battle starts, Cazador uses his powers to trap Asterion into an area where he's draining other uh, thralls for, for this weird ritual he's trying to pull off. Um, and if you don't kill him in three turns, then Asterion dies, and that's the end of him in that game. You cannot even bring him back uh, the unusual way that happens when characters die for good in this game. Um, so instead, what I just did is I just left Asterion back at my camp and uh, got some different uh, people to come in with my party and began this fight, not even starting the dialogue, just immediately attacking him. Um, and that helped. Uh, it helped a great deal. Um, the only problem is he has this one ability where he turns into, like, red mist. And not only does it, you know, let him, you know, navigate bigger parts of the map, it also means that because he's technically just mist, it's harder to hit him. You can still hit him, and when you do hit him, and especially if you're carrying, like, an item that's blessed by daylight, uh, it'll pack a real punch. But it's still kind of a 50-50 crapshoot either way. Um at least it was until the recent update, where if you hit him with something daylight-related, he'll be forced to return to his original form. Um, but that was after I had finished that fight. So um, so now I'm trying to deal with a uh, story involving... Um, who is it? Uh, Dame Aelin, who is the... Uh, I, I won't spoil her story, but she's an uh, integral part of the overall plot. But there's a uh, infamous magician who's trying to capture her and use her power to basically bottle and sell immortality to his customers. And so when you tell her about her, she is, as you can guess, kind of pissed off. And so she decides to go off and try and get him. So the next time you see him, she's there getting ready to lay the smack down on him, um, which then starts a fight. And... As it turns out, he himself is, he's midway powerful. Um, his actual, like, life bar isn't terribly difficult, but he has magic attacks that can, that are, like, spreadable. So if your party is, like, all clumped up into a single area, it'll hurt all of the people nearby. Um, the other problem is that he summons some elementals, and those are the real meat of the fight because every single one of them has like their own strengths and weaknesses. And every one of them is like up to like 200, like from 150 to like 200 hit points. So they're difficult to take down. Um, now, Aelin herself is actually um, a big help here because, because of her nature as a angelic being, she can cast a blessed, uh, spell that will allow her to use holy damage to take stuff out. And she also can attack twice, and her attacks, when they connect, usually hit like three times. So, you know, it's that. But it's still an incredibly difficult fight. Um, so I decided to just go back and hold that off for now. Right now I'm trying to find Will's father. Um, because he managed to get out of his contract with the demon Mazora, and Mazora is... 
essentially traded a life for a life where he is now free from her, but his his father's life is basically forfeit. But as it turns out, you can find him uh, and save him before he dies. It's just a question of where he is. Um, also, last bit of update. Uh, and as uh, Chris can attest to this, because he's played the game a bit too, um, every so often you're going to have to go back to camp to sort of rest and recuperate and a lot of times also further certain plot lines and conversations with the party. And also there's like some essential services there that you can do, like revive dead party members or summon some uh, assistance or, you know, just hang out with people. Um, and you can rest there, but in order to like fully rest, you have to have camp supplies, which can be either thing from like camp supplies as like an actual item. That's what it's called or with a bunch of food and drinks that you can get a hold of. And um, you can use those to refill your your uh, resting meter. If you're not able to do that, you only get half rest, where you get half of your, uh, your uh, hit points back and none of your, like, spell slots or anything are refilled. But otherwise, you can, if you do, if you do succeed, then, you know, you come back, you're perfectly good. Um, all that stuff. Well, in Baldur's Gate, it's actually possible to convince this guy who owns this um, tavern and inn uh, that you can either pay him or you can convince him to give it to you for free, give you this uh, bunch of suites that are located at the top floor. Um, and if you do that, then you no longer have to go back to any particular camp. You can now stay up there indefinitely, at least until the game ends. And furthermore, there's a dumb waiter there, but when you're getting ready to rest for the night, you can just buy supplies from them for like 40 gold. So, yeah, it's like not an issue anymore. Um, also, it's just better surroundings in general because you get to actually like have a bed for once. But yeah, that's what I've been doing as far as like playing. I've also started playing Cyberpunk 2077 again, mostly because I wanted to see how the game has... Uh, changed with the 2.0 update that released uh, this week. Um, or was it last week? I don't know if it was this week or last week. It was one of those. Um, but the game's changes are pretty much immediate. There are, like, some some definite, like, graphics changes that you can tell and some improvements that are definitely there. Um, a bunch of, like, NPCs react differently. The cops uh, are actually not just stuck around, like, crime scenes. They're all over the place. And... They will react if you do something illegal. Um, even if they're like at a crime scene, they will still come running for you. Um, they've also basically completely gutted and redid uh, the advancement mechanics in this game. When you start up, uh, you basically have to redo all of your uh, cyberware points and gear. Um, and they've basically like completely changed the skill tree. They've... Also uh, added some additional stuff. They've changed the look of some weapons. Um, they've added some new character animations. Uh, there's some new uh, thing, you know, stuff that's a lot closer to like what the game's original presentation was. Um, would I say it completely changes the game? I wouldn't go that far. It's still very much the same game at its core. But the interface is a lot more streamlined and easy to navigate and use. Um, and just in general, stuff just looks better. You know, um, 
but yeah, uh, I'm also planning on getting Phantom Liberty uh, this week. Uh, this week when it comes out on uh, Tuesday, because um, uh, yeah, I'm interested in them expanding the lore a bit. So those who don't know, uh, in that particular, in that in that particular expansion, basically the president and the I guess the handler of the president of the new United States is Crashlands in the middle of Dogtown, which is a district of Night City that was originally closed off. Um, it's it's one hundred percent straight out of like, you know, Escape from New from Manhattan. <laughs> um, no, Escape from New York. The you know the movie. Um, but I, I know enough about the, about the world's lore to know that uh, the president of the new United States cannot be trusted because the new United States is basically a dictatorship that's attached at the hip to Militech. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what I've been doing. So, Dan Ram, what about you? Uh, yeah. I mean, ever since I've gotten back from PAX, uh, it's been a really rough month for me. So I've only been playing one game, which I'll talk mm-hmm. about in a bit. But as for what's been going on with me, uh, I'll just go ahead and quickly go over it. Um, when I got back the day after, I went to the gym, which I normally uh-huh. and Then on my way home, my um, my car broke down on me. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I found out uh, the damages were so much that uh, it cost more than what I actually bought the car for. So yeah, mm. say goodbye. Um, I ended up getting pick and pulled for uh, $356. Uh, uh-huh. To add insult to injury, my brother also had to get rid of his car, and he, his Damn. car was the car that I've been driving for over 10 years, and he was able to get it pick and pulled for 1500 and uh. the reason being his uh, actually like can be turned on. So, yeah, uh, that's been rough. So I've been playing the game of uh, looking for a new car, and uh, it's, 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 it's not a fun one. You know, the, the market yeah. isn't that great. At the same time, um, I've been in the market for a new car for a while, and I've just been waiting, but, you know, I've been mm-hmm. waiting too long, and now it is what it is now. Um, but yeah, so that's 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 been a little rough. Uh, so that's definitely affected my gaming time because instead of you know driving to certain places, I've been getting lifts, and you know that's uh, pretty penny, especially living here in the Bay Area. So mm-hmm. uh, it's been a rather rough time for me. Um, anyway, back to the yeah. Game. I know it sucks being yeah. uh, it, it, being without you know a car in that part of California can suck. So. Being without any form of reliable transportation, we've been mm-hmm. borrowing my mom's car, and like, yeah, you know, um, it would also be like. Um, yeah, like things like seeing my girlfriend, things like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it hasn't been easy, but it is what it is hanging in there. Um, I can afford one. It's just a matter of like finding a good deal and not being, you know, uh, not being uh, taken advantage of. But yeah. So yeah, that's that, that, that's what's been up with me. Um, aside mm-hmm. from that, the game that I have been playing is um, The Legend of Nayota Boundless Trails. Um, it's sort of a spinoff of um, the Trails games. Uh, like it's rumored to have taken place in the same universe, but um ages and eons before what happened in trails in the sky um so far playing it i have not noticed um anything as far as like similarities to the world except for the main character's last name being herschel um Mm. and you know uh toa herschel was a very popular character from uh the the the, the trails of cold steel series so Mm -hmm. and in her in her chronology chronology her like great grandfather or something was an astronomer and uh this guy like has this telescope so it's uh you know maybe it's him maybe it's not there's been some um uh some analysis with the latest game in uh trails into reverie but you know mm. until falcom goes ahead and says something uh you know we, we won't know um but as far as how the game plays uh 
first of all, just to give you a bit, a bit, a bit more history on the game, it's actually a PSP game. Um, mm. And then eventually it got ported over to the PC. And we finally have a Western translation. Um, is it one that we actually needed? We don't know yet because we don't know if it's actually connected to anything. But so far, it's it's definitely been fun. I just don't know if it's a game that's for me. Like typically with all of Falcom's releases, I've you know beaten them within two weeks. And like despite my problems at home, like there there hasn't been enough to. And it's not because it's bad or anything. It's just that it just feels dated. Um, one of my annoyances is uh, the fact that the the overall look of the game doesn't really match the art. So you're going to run into various characters and have conversations with them. And then when it shows like the actual um, drawn art for the character as they're having a conversation, it does it, it hardly even matches like the, the actual character model. And I know that it's a product of it being at the times of the PSP, but that's um, but aside from that, it plays very much like uh, the Zwei games or East, where it's really just an action-based battle system. Uh, with the main difference being that it's a level-based game, so um, there isn't a whole lot as far as like exploration. This is not an open-world game; everything is level-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in addition to the various levels you'll find on the world map you can just go back home to um, your world and it's a pretty sizable island you can do things like side quests that, that you'd find in the, in the trails game sometimes there's even secret side quests as well mm-hmm. uh, and yeah but the, the the level design is actually um, really really nice for what it is um, there's a bunch of items scattered out with, to, to lead you down the right path and nothing is actually um, procedurally generated. They're all they're all like well thought out maps. Uh, but like for me, it's it, it's not typically what makes me you know uh, go crazy over anything. Uh, the battle system is, is is actually pretty intuitive. There's a bit of platforming there. It's a typical hack and slash kind of thing with some magic here and there. Um, I do have issues with the button layout. Um, I haven't um, really done any digging to see if I could really. Uh, change that up but basically you know you move around with it with the control stick uh the what's it called on 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 the switch the a button attacks the b button jumps and then the x button um uh dodges and i don't know for me it's a little chaotic to the point where i still make mistakes here and there Uh, Mm. you can use the right shoulder button to use some of the uh or change some of the um what's it called the the magic uh that there is in the game and um yeah so I'm about five hours into the game. Um, I've heard that the game is really a, uh, about 25 hours long. It can be as long as 60 if you really, really want to put some time in it, put time mm-hmm. into it. But like I'm at the point where I'm wondering if I want to quit. Um, I don't know yet. It's really going to depend on like you know the uh, the next few weeks and how they go, especially with all the uh, codes we've been getting as of late. Plus uh, Spider-Man, which is my you know my most most anticipated game. Is um, yeah, it's it's fun for what it is. It just with everything out right now, it's tough to really put put a uh, to focus on it. Um, but if you are looking for a fun hack and slash, this would be it. And that's all I got. Okay. All right. So let's get to some news. Uh, first up here, Game Pass has some new stuff coming out here in the near future. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple things that are already available uh, now. Let's see what they have here. Yes, yeah, September twentieth was Party Animals. Mm-hmm. For console, uh, mm. so that's kind of a one of those local little uh, physics fighting game things. Um, mm. There's been a, a number of that kind of stuff of late, but this is the new one that Microsoft is getting behind. As I think they announced a an Ori uh, sort of a crossover mm. with that, as so they're putting some Ori costumes into there, mm. uh, so you can check that stuff out. Uh, let's see. Also up there, Payday Three 
for PC and Xbox Series X and S. Mm. Uh, so you can check out that uh, sort of a co-op uh, heist shooter kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard the the servers have not been great for the launch, so not really. So that's uh, a fun thing to have there. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the week coming up here, Cocoon on console and PC Game Pass on September 29th, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is Friday. Yep. Uh, so you can check that out. That is a uh, yeah from the the team led by Jeppe Carlson, lead game gameplay designer of Limbo and Inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, this looks like a fun little game mm-hmm. uh, for there. So yeah, you can check that out. And then let's see, on October third, you'll be able to check out Gotham Knights and see uh, how that game is. Mm-hmm. Uh, PC, Xbox Series X, and S. Uh, that's the the follow up to the the Batman Arkham series where Batman has been killed, and his proteges uh, have teamed up to protect Gotham and sort of figure out what happened and you know stop whoever's trying to take over Gotham. Uh, so that's that's a game I have on PC. It's it was okay. I didn't really play more than a couple hours into it. So, but uh, there you go for that. Uh, also, October 3rd, the Lamplighters League, mm-hmm. uh, which is, yeah, day one, PC, Xbox Series X, and S. Uh, that is a uh, turn-based uh, strategy game, uh, sort of similar to, like, XCOM-ish, mm-hmm. but maybe more in uh, the vein of, like, an Indiana Jones style of pulp, uh, pulp uh, action kind of stuff. Uh, so you get some some cool like uh supernatural things as well as you know people trying to get through tombs and that kind of stuff so that could be neat uh and yeah that's pretty much it uh for what's coming up here in the next week or two so there you go some cool stuff there for people to check out yeah um mm-hmm. party animals is one that i've had my interest on for a while so i'll definitely try to check that out and uh yeah gotham knights you know, a lot of people give it hell, but it was actually a pretty good game, and it's a good get for Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, and uh, let's get to Nintendo. Their subscription service, uh, the uh, expansion pack uh, version, is getting a new Game Boy Advance game, Kirby and the Amazing Mirror, uh, September 29th, so it'll be on Friday. Uh, yeah, that one's a pretty solid Kirby game. Mm-hmm. I don't think I put too much time into it, so... I do not have a ton to say about it, but I think it's one of those. Uh, yeah, you have four Kirby's to play with, so kind of have a, a little bit more chaos to it, but uh, ways of getting through the world and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that looks neat. Cool. Mm. Okay. Yeah. You got anything to add, Dan Rip? Oh, uh, other than Kirby and the Amazing Mirror is actually like a really, really good game. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's it's just interesting seeing um, how all in Nintendo has been to Kirby as of late. You know, Kirby in the Forgotten Land was like one of the best games on the Switch. And like almost every game is available um, on Switch now, except for the GameCube games. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go for that. Uh, let's see. We got some... TGS News, a couple of dates here. Conveniently, both coming out around the same time. The Apollo Justice Ace Attorney Trilogy 
is coming to, let's see, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC on January 25th, 2024. Mm. Uh, that's the collection. Essentially, the uh, the first Apollo Justice and the two 3DS Phoenix Wright games, mm-hmm. uh, Dual Destinies and Spirit of Justice. Uh, those three that kind of center around Apollo Justice. Mm. Uh, uh, through all that, so those are all going to be getting HD upgrades and all that, so that's neat uh, that that'll be out here early next year is that is that wild time frame, like the last couple weeks of January and first couple weeks of February is just a ton coming out then mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's that one, and then yeah, the next day Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth will be releasing January 26th, 2024. Uh, so, yeah, if you're into the variety of Japanese games there, that's going to be a tough couple days for that stuff. Uh, that'll be PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC uh, for that. And, yeah, they have pre-orders out now. Yeah, it's going to continue what happened in Yakuza Like a Dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Ichiban and his new uh, uh, wacky adventures in Hawaii. Yep, he is definitely in Honolulu. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, true. Rough. Um, you know, not only does it come come out a day after Apollo Justice, um, it's also coming out like within a week of uh, Persona Three Reload, which is also coming out of Sega. And then there's um, the Grand Blue Fantasy uh, Relink game that people are also really looking forward to. And yeah, a whole lot of Japanese goodness. I just don't know like how much of that is going to converge or not. Um, I don't believe Apollo Justice is going to be in like that rough of a situation because it's a very different game than everything else being shown. But like everything else I talked about is a full-on JRPG. So it'll be interesting to see how those cannibalize each other and how it'll go there. Um, but if anything, like yeah, these are all games that I have on my radar and pretty excited about them the weird thing though is i wouldn't even call the apollo justice trilogy the apollo justice trilogy because he's not the main character in all of them but it's funny yeah it's just the the way they're framing the the last few games they haven't brought over yet uh for that stuff so yeah and even then we got a month later there's final fantasy 7 rebirth at the end of february uh releasing on leap year day so there you go for that for everybody that tries to keep up with the the JRPGs out there mm-hmm. uh, for that stuff. But yeah, we got uh, other things that got announced. There was a, a, I think an NIS America and Falcom stream last week mm-hmm. uh, where they also confirmed that the Cold Steel three and four coming to PS five. Yep. Doubt they're gonna have any sort of free upgrade like the the Ease eight and nine games did not have either. Yeah, despite the the upgrades being pretty minor uh, for that. uh, But they announced that they are bringing the Legend of Heroes Trails through Daybreak to the PS5, PS4, Switch and PC uh, summer 2024 in the West, uh, which is also known as Kuro no Kiseki in Japan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that came out two years ago. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's really all about time because, or, or really, really just about time because uh, Kuro no Kiseki, as you mentioned, you know, came out in Japan two years ago, and they actually mm-hmm. already have Kuro no, no, no Kiseki too. So yeah. we're 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 still behind as far as that goes. But I I will say, Trails Through Daybreak is a hell of a title. Um, mm-hmm. that 
uh, that they, they thought of. Um, I, I wondered well, what what they would do, especially with Tales of the Rise being a thing and like Tales and Trails already rhyming. So that's funny. But you know, the, the the trailer we saw was really really interesting. I'm I'm liking the voice acting for the main character. I don't know who's doing it, but it sounds great. And for those like unfamiliar with the series, this one pretty much starts off a new arc. So mm-hmm. if you're somebody who's wanted to get into the series and um, didn't know where to start, this is actually one of those points. I wouldn't say it's fully recommended, but you're you're, you're fully okay starting with this one. And the, the fact that it uses a totally different battle system, well, not totally different. There are some similarities, but it uses a different battle system. So it, it will definitely feel like a new experience for both old and new players. So cool announcement. It's also coming out in, in summer, not January. So, you know, yeah. there's, there's some room to spare there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, that looks nice. They're gonna have a hundred dollar collector's edition that you can pre-order mm-hmm. now. Yep. And it's actually and remember, this is the part of the series that actually takes place in the Republic. In Calvard. So yeah. yeah, that's gonna be fun to see. Yeah, I'm seeing what it has in here. There's a mini art book. There's a digital soundtrack. Uh let's see. A 240 plus page regular art book. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, physical soundtrack, one disc. Uh, let's see, steelbook case, a business card case. That's how you know it comes from a Japanese company. Uh, let's see, movie poster art cart set. Mm-hmm. So there you go for that. And yeah, an outer sleeve box for that. So 100 bucks for that. Mm hmm. Wait, there's plushies. 165 bucks with plushies. Mm. Yeah, which uh, sort of saves you stuff because I think the plushies are actually forty dollars each. So, <laughs> yeah, that's like the two main protagonists, Spriggan and Agnes. Yeah. So there you go. Mm. You can spend more money if you want on that game, which is like every game now. I did. I yeah. did. Uh, let's see. Got other news here. This comes out of the Xbox showcase. Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name, will be on Game Pass day one uh, when that's out in November. Yeah, November 9th. Uh, they will also be getting Like a Dragon Ishin uh, that came out earlier this year, sometime later this year. They didn't have a date for that one conveniently. Uh, so, yeah, a little bit surprised that they. When they're announcing this like so late, it seems mm-hmm. like something that would have been should have been like a big part of their uh, summer showcase. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess they're they were holding it back for TGS, probably more recent deal. But it also seems like a big misstep to not have Ishin on Game Pass at launch than if they were doing this other deal. Uh, maybe they just slipped on it and just did not get around to making a deal on that stuff. Uh, but yeah, if you have Game Pass on uh, Xbox or PC, you'll be able to check out uh, Like a Dragon Guide In, which looks like it's going to be a very ridiculous game. Yeah, I don't think it was too long ago when uh, Microsoft mentioned like sort of a renewed focus on Sega's titles. So that's probably why the uh, announcement on Game Pass came so late. And I'm also interested in knowing like what kind of numbers Game Pass sees in Japan, because that's obviously a huge selling point here, but I'm wondering how it is overseas as well. But anyway, that being said, uh, Like a Dragon, uh, Gaiden, uh, or The Man Who Erased His Name is definitely something I have on my radar. Uh, I played it in PAX, and then like the previews they showed during TGS were awesome. Like I never actually finished um, like 
three through six. So I don't really know much about what went on with Kiryu leading up to like a dragon. Um, but like the, I mean, it's it's spoilery, but they they mentioned that throughout the, throughout the entire presentation. Like the, apparently he has cancer. So I'm like, I'm wondering how that like changes the gameplay up. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's neat. Uh, but let's get to our next story here. Ubisoft announced that they are officially working on Tom Clancy's The Division Three. Uh, with Massive Entertainment, uh, who worked on the previous games as well as the upcoming Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. Uh, this is a bit of a weird thing because they, I mm-hmm. believe, they primarily announced it via a tweet, not like as part of a showcase or anything like that that you would expect, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a biggish title like this to uh, happen. But it seems like they are kind of announcing this as a a part of you know recruiting as a mentioned that the uh that Julian Garrity will be the executive producer for the entire Tom Clancy's The Division brand mm-hmm. uh who was sort of creative director I believe for the first two games mm-hmm. uh and you might have seen him I think he's the guy that was at the uh the E3 showcases wearing khaki shorts mm-hmm. it's like one of the few people I ever saw doing that so uh that's a uh, uh, a noteworthy thing there, but yeah, he's going to be overseeing this project and sort of building the, the, the new team that's working on it at massive entertainment. So this is probably not going to be out for a while, at least a few years for that. Uh, but yeah, currently he's creative director of the star Wars outlaws game. That's out next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there's like the third division game. I think it's being worked on. There's the mobile game. There's the free to play game. And now there's the Division 3 that's being worked on. So they got a lot of those games in the works and uh, not much concrete about them at the moment. Yeah. Still waiting on the Resurgence, which I think people have been able to uh, check out at some events mm-hmm. for that. But that's about as much as we've seen. And then, yeah, there's the, the Division Heartland, which is the, the free-to-play mm-hmm. survival action shooter. So curious to see more of that stuff uh, at some point yeah. Uh, but yeah let's get back to some more TGS news uh, another thing that got announced uh, might have been at the Xbox showcase uh, a new game coming from Swery and Suda51 teaming together mm-hmm. uh, called Hotel Barcelona like I saw a little bit about the, the history of this game that they uh, yeah they met at a an event called Travis Monday Nitro 2 in Shibuya in Tokyo, uh, October 2019, they discussed creating a game together and came up with the name Hotel Barcelona first and then mm-hmm. uh, figured out what the hell the game was going to be uh, later that year uh, mm-hmm. while they were together in Canada. And so, yeah, yeah it's kind of a, a horror-themed side-scrolling action game mm-hmm. uh, where you are uh, essentially, let me see if it's, Describe better here, mm-hmm. uh, like a 2.5D slasher film parodic action game. So, kind of that this hotel Barcelona is where a bunch of uh, serial killers happen to congregate, and you come in to try to kill them all. I guess uh, I don't know if it's Metroid-ish or not, but uh, seems like a really neat premise for a thing. And yeah, it's going to be out next year. Uh, PS5, Xbox Series X and S, and PC mm-hmm. uh, for that. So those two guys have a very 
specific kind of style that they work in, and that seems like it's going to work pretty well for uh, this kind of game. Uh, so, yeah, that's one you can keep an eye on for next year at some point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there you go. Mm. All right. Uh, yeah, next up, the Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume 1 is coming out in... Uh, when the hell is that coming out? It's like, a, I think, November? October? Mm. I forget. There's not even a date listed here, I don't think. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's close enough that they sort of put out a graphic of, here's what the the resolutions uh, these games run at and the frame rates and all that. Mm. And very much uh, seems to confirm something people were kind of expecting, that Metal Gear Solid is going to run at 30 FPS on every platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so that seems to suggest that it's probably a thing where a lot of uh, physics and other mechanics are tied to the frame rate. And they probably did not want to put in the effort to like rebuild that game to work better at 60 FPS, I guess. Mm-hmm. Despite this being called you know, the Master Collection. Um, and you have Switch in handheld mode runs this at 720p. Mm-hmm. Uh, the weird thing goes with Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3, where it runs at 1080p, 60fps on mm-hmm. every other platform, but the Switch, uh, where it runs at 30fps, both in handheld and TV, mm-hmm. uh, TV mode, uh, which is, again, those are games that were on the PS2. Mm-hmm. Uh, Metal Gear Solid is 22 years old. A switch could probably handle it at 60 FPS, mm-hmm. uh, but apparently not for whatever budget and time frame was given for this game, mm-hmm. for this collection here. So it uh, seems like the switch is the the odd platform out, though. Yeah, you kind of also have to wonder, like, well, this seems like this would have been a good time to, you know, work on a 4K version for this, but. Uh, the studio that did that original HD collection was um, is now owned by PlayStation uh, Blue Blue Point Studios. Um, so very much uh, they didn't seem to want to hire them again for this to pull their magic to work on uh, making it even better. But uh, it seems like they put a lot of their time into all that extra content, having the the NES and MSX games and uh, having all the, the side stuff, the uh, those visual novel, uh, you know, stuff from the PSP uh, and a lot of side stuff that you can unlock as well. So, yeah, it kind of tampers a little bit of the excitement for this collection, but uh, still seems like it's going to be a pretty solid collection for those games. So, yeah, I mean, obviously to each their own. Um, maybe it is unfortunate to see this. I personally don't. Especially since the game originally ran 30 FPS, just because it's on a new platform doesn't mean that I would just expect it to be any better. Um, and yeah, like the, the, the Switch is the odd man out, and I don't know if I really care about the games from the PS2 or PS1 era, all that high in frame rate, especially if there wasn't any real uh, improvements done. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. You'll be able to check that out here mm-hmm. uh, later this year. So. There you go. Uh, let's see. Yeah, let's get to some Unity news. First up, uh, the the biggest response to the original Unity news came from Relogic, the, the developers of Terraria, uh, who mm-hmm. announced in a big 
uh, tweet message that uh, they were uh, they were aren't really affected by the Unity News because they don't really use it for much of anything, um, but do sympathize with you know all the developers that do and have to deal with all the the potential fallout of these decisions. And so yeah, they say here you know we do not feel that a simple public statement is sufficient. Even if Unity were to recant their policies and statements, the destruction of trust is not so easily repaired. I strongly feel that it is now equally important to get behind some of the other up-and-coming open-source game engines, lighting some candles in an otherwise dark moment. Mm-hmm. To that end, we are donating $100,000 each to each of the open-source engines mm-hmm. listed below, which is Godot, Game Engine, and FNA. Additionally, we are sponsoring each of these projects with $1,000 per month, each moving forward. All we ask in return is that they remain good people and keep doing all that they can to make these engines powerful and approachable for developers everywhere. And it's like, oh, damn, this is a really good way of making a statement here uh, that's, you know, putting major support for these stu- uh, these, uh, these uh, smaller engines that are, you know, getting a lot more attention now that Unity has decided, you know, that they don't really care about, uh, you know, making good decisions for their uh, their community of developers. And so, yeah, this is a good way to kind of put a spotlight on these other engines for studios to maybe look into seeing if it works for them or not. Uh, and so, yeah, that's uh, really cool uh, Relogic to do that. And then let's see here, Friday afternoon, I think it was, uh, Unity put out a big uh, open letter on their site, uh, basically called Open Letter on Runtime Fee, uh, where they apologize for the controversial changes they announced uh, two weeks ago almost uh, and announced that it was walking back some of the worst changes, but uh, it seems like they still have plenty of parts of this that Reasonable developers are, you know, very much skeptical about. Uh, but let's see the new changes. They confirmed its personal plan will remain free. Also said that it now has no plans to charge the controversial runtime fee on games built with Unity Personal. Uh, it's increasing how much revenue devs can make on games with this free version of the engine, uh, which was $100,000 before. And now it's $200,000. Uh, They also said Unity is removing the requirement to have a made-with-Unity splash screen appear when players boot up the game. Uh, They also say no game with less than $1 million in trailing 12-month revenue will be subject to the runtime fee. Uh, So that's pretty good news for a lot of smaller devs out there. Uh, Next, the letter announces that the fee will only apply to software developed using the LTS version of Unity, which ships in 2024. I believe LTS is long-term service or long-term support. Uh, It's essentially like a stable version of Unity that they basically only update to fix bugs and not make any major changes to it. Uh, They also promise that, yeah, let's see. Your games that are currently shipped and the projects you're currently working on will not be included unless you choose to upgrade them to this new version of Unity. Unity also promises that developers will be able to stay on the terms that apply to their version of the Unity engine as long as devs don't upgrade. So some good stuff there. 
Um, but yeah, the runtime fees are not going away. Uh, so as you could surmise, games that make a million dollars or more will be subject to uh, the runtime fee, uh, though they are giving uh, devs the choice of either a 2.5% revenue share or the calculated amount based on the number of new people engaging with your game each month. Uh, that's the runtime fee on that second part. They say both these numbers are self-reported from data developers already have access to and at studios will always be billed for the lesser amounts. Uh, so that sort of thing. And still having a whole, based on the number of you know new people engaging with your game each month, that's self-reported from the uh, Unity engine that you know developers are skeptical about how that is calculated and all that. And I think the, the big FAQ, they posted with update stuff, still has plenty of questions that people have on how you can verify, you know, these are, you know, new things to be charged for and all that. Uh, but at least some of the response for this is still, it's like, well, it's better, but, you know, they've also shown that they are willing to, you know, make big changes without really any uh, conversations with the people actually working on the engine to see if that's a good idea or not. And so a lot of devs do not have trust in them and will probably still, you know, continue to look to other engines when they work on their next project, uh, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, still a lot of, uh, a lot of things here for developers to be concerned about. Uh, but yeah, this still seems like it's a, uh, a minor band-aid on an issue that is now one of trust that, you know, they are not going to go back on anything they do here. Uh, so, yeah, seems like it now changes Unity to be a better, better for the small devs, um, but indie devs that are of a certain size now have to decide if it's this is any better for their business or not, and if uh, they should look into other places, so... We've moved over to Godot or Unreal or, you know, any number of other engines or maybe even work on their own if they are technically capable enough to do that stuff. So there you go. There's your Unity update for this week. Hopefully it's yep. the last bad thing we hear for a while. Thank God. Hope. Yeah. I mean, like, I really don't have much to say over the issue that hasn't already been said. Um, I guess the thing that really um, makes me laugh is the fact that they thought they could get away with this. I mean... It's one thing to uh, expect, you know, consumers and gamers to throw a tizzy, but like when it's developers too, uh-uh, different story. And like I know that they've, you know, they're 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 making efforts or not, they're not really making efforts. They're they're pretty much showing that that they're gonna like not do it. But at the end of the day, like trust has been lost here. You know, they tried to like get everybody once, and there there there's 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 no telling when they'll try. Yeah. They expected people to be angry for a day or so and then move on and forget. And you can't really do that when it's developers who are, you know, closely monitoring their financial details and having somebody say like, oh, yeah, no, like every new game that gets installed, whether it's a legit purchase or a pirated version or comes from, you know, charity bundles or comes from Game Pass or PlayStation Plus, you know, you're going to have to pay extra money just for people starting up those games because we want money. 
And yeah, people were like, no, you guys need to go fuck off. And seems like they're trying to minimize how many people uh, will go fuck off to other engines. Yeah, not to mention with the bigger publishers, we're seeing a lot of them do their own in-house engines. And while we've seen a lot of struggles, a lot of them are also really good. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's not something you really want to do. Yeah. But yeah, that's your, your Unity talk for the week. Uh, next up here, start of the Microsoft block of acquisition news. The big one that the UK's Competition and Markets Authority a regulatory agency has approved the uh, Microsoft acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Uh, let's see. Yeah, so they, they have preliminary approval on this. Uh, so that seems like they're basically like, yeah, it's pretty good. We're going to double check some things, but that seems how they're going to... Uh, you know, finalize it here in the next couple of weeks to make sure everything's on the up and up on that stuff that they, that Microsoft has promised to do. Uh, so that seems like that's largely going to be it. Uh, things should go through pretty soonish. Mm-hmm. Uh, though the, the last like little hurdle is the, I think the, the appeal in this FTC case uh, here in the U.S., uh, because that's led to a whole weird situation where it seems like somebody at Microsoft uh, uploaded the the files of all these documents mm-hmm. uh, to the wrong server or something like that, it seems like, because uh, it went up on a public-facing uh, FTC or uh, like a uh, you know, peer-to-peer server kind of thing. Uh, that people start downloading and looking at and being like, uh, shit, there's a lot of a lot of details here that uh, probably should have been redacted. And they got, you know, uh, addressed within the next day or so. But obviously, well, well, too late before a bunch of people have downloaded and start pouring through these documents mm-hmm. uh, with a bunch of interesting information in here, particularly some of the big stuff here. Uh, there's mention of an Xbox Series X refresh, codenamed Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn with a I after mm-hmm. the L, uh, instead of the, the normal way it's spelled. That is sort of a, a new version of the Xbox Series X. So if you mm-hmm. know how that thing looks, it's a, it's basically a big uh, box, mm-hmm. square, rectangular box thing. Looks like mm-hmm. they they turn this into like a smokestack around cylindrical thing mm-hmm. uh, for the design uh, with, I think, a USB-C port here below the Xbox button on there, but also no drive, no disk drive on it. Uh, so, yeah, as they are planning, at least for what this version is, the two terabyte internal storage, so you can store mm-hmm. more games internally. Uh, yes, USB-C front ports with power delivery. Uh, for you know, charging controllers and you know USB C hard drives, external mm-hmm. drives, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, the the new controller we'll talk about in a sec. Mm. Uh, be priced at four ninety nine, like it currently is. Uh, let's see. Yeah, they have updated some of the internal stuff. Uh, nothing really major here. Just an updated, yeah, Wi Fi radio uh, to make the the Wi Fi better. 
Mm. Uh, let's see, better yeah, upgraded Bluetooth radio uh, for making the controller stuff run a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shrunk the shrunk some of the internal stuff to make it uh, a little more cheap and uh, power efficient, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And yeah, let's see, new low power standby mode, twenty percent of current Xbox Series S standby mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, increased use of PCR and housing to thirty percent, over thirty percent. Like it's a uh, new uh, plastic, recycled mm-hmm. plastic kind of stuff. So yeah, uh, some neat stuff there. But yeah, kind of shows uh, an interesting wrinkle of you know how this is going to be mm-hmm. uh, digital focused. Yeah, and the more you know, assuming it replaces the current Xbox Series X, you know, they would have no. Disc, uh, disc the mini bridge, in other words. Yeah, they have no disc console that you could put your discs into. Which, mm-hmm. you know, for people that like their backwards compatibility, that's uh, a big red flag for them. Because mm-hmm. you know, there's there's plenty of those backwards compatible games that are not on uh, digital that are mm-hmm. physical only. So that's definitely a concern for people, as well as you know, for people that like to buy physical mm-hmm. games when they can versus mm-hmm. going digital, which, you know, if you're in that camp, buy a series X now, mm-hmm. don't let the, don't let Microsoft do, you know, release this and like make it harder for you to get the, the physical console, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff. But yeah, the, the new controller could name Zebel S E B I L E. Uh, has an interesting look to it. The one they have here is like a two toned, where it's sort of black uh, around the bottom and the handles, mm-hmm. uh, and white around the you know where all the buttons are at. Mm-hmm. Um, this looks like it would be a seventy dollars controller mm-hmm. that yeah has uh, Xbox Wireless Two, mm-hmm. direct to cloud, so I guess better support for playing cloud games. I guess mm-hmm. Bluetooth five point two, seamless pair and switch to I guess sync with the uh, phones. For that kind of stuff, uh, but some of the new stuff you get precision haptic feedback, so it would have you know haptic rumble in there, mm. uh, VCA haptics, double S speakers, it's a uh, mm. voice coil activators. I forget what the the full thing mm. is, but PS5 kind of has this a bit where people have devs have used the rumble in such a way to act as some mm-hmm. sort of speaker system uh, or additional speaker you know mm. audio stuff that you could do with that. Uh, so this would be in lieu of having, you know, actual speakers like the PS5 does on their controller. Um, it would have an accelerometer, which I think is more for their approachability section they mentioned here, a lift to wake. So uh, you would be able to have the controller turn off and then potentially turn on when you're uh, pick it up kind of stuff. Uh, no gyro as far as I can see mentioned here. So people wanting gyro in the the Xbox controller still have to mm-hmm. wait unless there's some additional details. Again, this stuff is planned things at a as of a certain point, probably within the past mm-hmm. couple of years. Uh, but they may have changed details and plans for this stuff since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, uh, the controller looks. Pretty good. I don't know if I like this two-tone design, at least the way it's looking here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the haptic rumble would be pretty good. 
Uh, I would prefer they have gyro in there as well. Uh, also mentions quieter buttons and thumbsticks. There's one thing that's really annoying about Xbox controllers since the Xbox One launch mm-hmm. is that they are very loud. Uh, if I have my Xbox, yeah, here it is. Mm-hmm. Really loud, clicky D-pads and oh yeah, it's very annoying when everything else is pretty pretty quiet for the most part. It's like, all right, that's good. That's it's not seventy dollars worth of you know improvements, but you know mm-hmm. it's uh, it's an interesting uh, improvements. Not having the jar was just. Definitely an annoyance because uh, it would have been nice to have gyro on all three mm-hmm. main controllers and kind of unify that stuff and get third parties to support that stuff more mm-hmm. than they already do. So, uh, yeah, that would be uh, some big deals there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. Some uh, some potential improved controllers and Xbox Series X stuff mm-hmm. in these plans. Uh, they also mention the potential next generation Xbox mm-hmm. uh, with the, the tentative date when they started looking into this in 2028. Uh, no real concrete details and like there are a bunch of, you know, pie in the sky stuff for this, mm-hmm. uh, for what they plan here. But they mention mm-hmm. things like cloud as a, like a, a way to merge, you know, the, the cloud stuff they've been trying to do with, mm-hmm. Uh, local stuff, so um, an ARM processor is also in there as well, mm-hmm. so you kind of get uh, some of that kind of stuff in there, so um, yeah, but not really too much in the way of concrete details out of that. So, yeah. That's like all the hardware stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, there's some other things. There's a Bethesda roadmap of releases, potentially, mm-hmm. that is neat to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, obviously this is, I think it's a pre Microsoft acquisition roadmap mm-hmm. of sorts. Cause it mentions, you know, a game like project Hibiki, which is hi-fi rush has mm-hmm. a 2021 release. I think Starfield's also listed as 2021. So mm-hmm. the dates aren't really the, the thing here you should take as like concrete about this, probably the projects mm-hmm. that are mentioned here. Uh, things like the, you know, they mentioned the Indiana Jones games, some Starfield DLC, mm-hmm. stuff like that that we know is concrete. But they also mention a, a remaster of Elder Scrolls for Oblivion. Mm-hmm. Uh, for work in the future, there's also a Fallout 3 remaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's not too surprising. It's a game that they would probably like to make, mm-hmm. you know, better. Yeah. And look better and all that um yeah there's a project called doom year zero mm-hmm. which who knows what that is uh if that's it's, like a, it's a doom new related. Game. yeah yeah if it's like a new doom game or if it's like some retro thing uh anything like that so there's codename projects kestrel and platinum which who knows what that is uh oh scroll six is on there as well, so you got that Dishonored Three, a Ghostwire Tokyo sequel, mm-hmm. which I could see not happening based on how Ghostwire Tokyo mm-hmm. went. Uh, but you know, these that seems like safe thing to put on a roadmap. Like, yeah, if this goes well, we'll do that because mm-hmm. they hadn't released when they put this thing out. So they're very much like one of those things of like this could be a franchise for us, mm-hmm. much like you know, 
uh, Dishonored was, uh, that kind of stuff. So there's some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind of spoils some things, though. Like the Oblivion remaster was something that had been kind of rumored for a little bit. But mm-hmm. uh, let's see what else we have here. Oh, yeah, there's some Game Pass stuff in here that featured essentially like their own internal estimates of chances of getting uh, a bunch of big games on Game Pass day one mm-hmm. and sort of cost associated with that. Uh, a lot of the big stuff you've probably seen mentioned like Star Wars mm-hmm. Jedi Survivor and that being estimated to be like $300 million, which makes sense for you know getting a big game like that day one. You would have to subsidize a lot of the the developer cost of mm-hmm. making that game to justify losing a lot of potential sales mm-hmm. for that. And, you know, they mentioned Mortal Kombat one for 250 million suicide squad for 250 million, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, which they mentioned, you know, uh, for some of this, uh, you know, like publishers willingness to do deals, that kind of stuff. And yeah, with like suicide squad is very much like this was done like around the time that WB was, acquired by discovery so they're very much like with wb you know this might have been a potential deal but with discovery we'll have to reevaluate that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um but yeah then you get to you know lego star wars 35 million mm-hmm. dynamite 250 million and some of the stuff that did happen like city skylines 2 um they don't really have a date on, or a price on there just like a mm-hmm. A lot of it's just generally like, you know, potential audience they can bring in, which for that is definitely something that's a little bit more unique than the average game that's on here. Uh, the thing that like broke people's minds is Baldur's Gate 3 getting mentioned on there for $5 million, which, uh, again, this was a few years ago, and Baldur's Gate 3 wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. thought to be as potentially big of a release as it was then, especially because I think the, the little... Note on it was second run Stadia RPG, PC RPG, which is like, yeah, they had a deal with Stadia for a while yeah. there, and then Stadia ceased to exist, so that deal went kaput on that. Now it's, you know, a game uh, selling pretty well now and getting, uh, you know, a lot of attention, especially as Microsoft has to relax some of their, mm-hmm. their requirements for uh, making that game on Series S to get it on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of stuff. So yeah, there's some some interesting stuff here. Games they look at and they you know take a look at a lot of this stuff uh, for that. So yeah, that's something you can check out there for some extra interesting behind the scenes tidbits. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's see. Yeah, there's the the email where uh, a Microsoft marketing guy, not part of the Xbox group. Mm-hmm. was like asking Phil and some of the other gaming people, like, you know, it would be really cool if we could get Nintendo to mm-hmm. buy them. Um, and that's uh, a whole thing where he mentions like one of their, their core investor groups has also been buying some stock in Nintendo, which, you know, mm-hmm. they're free to do and being like, oh, we might have an inroad there, that kind of stuff. Uh, but also mentioning, you know, uh, that, yeah, calling Nintendo is the prime asset for us in gaming. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. if if Xbox wanted a way to further cement themselves as a 
a big part of the the gaming industry, Nintendo would be a purchase to do that. Mm-hmm. But obviously, Nintendo has a lot of uh, caveats. You know, the the Yamauchi family owns the controlling interest in that company, mm-hmm. so you would essentially have to be cutting them a real huge check to mm-hmm. uh, buy them out, essentially, uh, as well as a bunch of other stuff that would be going on with that. So, yeah, this is. I think people are getting like weird and angry about, and it's like, I mean, if any company had the opportunity and the funds available to buy Nintendo, they would be stupid not to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that kind of acquisition, but Nintendo's not in that position to be available in any way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, not to mention it was a few years ago, but like the the funny thing here is, um, Microsoft was in the news about this like two years ago during the time when they had that uh, that documentary go out when they were first starting, trying to, you know, go to Nintendo's office and buy them there. And, and I'm like, did the person who sent that email know that? Because, like, mm-hmm. we, we've already had this discussion. It, it's not going to happen, especially anytime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, it's considering, like, Nintendo is as good as they've ever been right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very much this guy is, like, a, a marketing, yeah, chief marketing officer. Uh, and uh, executive vice president that, you know, they're not thinking about that kind of stuff. They may not even know that kind of history. They're just like, mm-hmm. man, this would be a really nice thing, you know, a get for us. And it's like, yeah, it would. It's not going to happen. Like mm-hmm. Phil's response is very much like, you know, I don't think a hostile action would be a good move. So we are playing the long game. Mm-hmm. But our board of directors have seen the full write-up on Nintendo and Valve is also mentioned there. Yeah. Uh, and they are fully supportive on either if opportunity arises as am I. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, yeah, no, duh. Any company worth their salt would love to buy a Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Phil's there to be like, yeah, but that's probably not going to happen anytime soon unless something mm-hmm. real weird happens. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, even, even describes it as like, at some point, getting Nintendo would be a career moment. It's just taken a long time for Nintendo to see that their future exists off of their own hardware. Mm-hmm. A long time, dot, dot, dot. And does the, the emoji uh, smiley face with the dash for a nose. So if you need to know if he is a uh, a good person or an evil person, he puts his noses in the smiley faces. Mm-hmm. And I think that's squarely <laughs> in the evil side. Yeah. Not to mention, like, if a move like that were actually in the books, it would require a whole lot of, like, legal tampering because it's actually illegal for a foreign company to own a Japanese company. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. That's probably one of the things that broke out most amongst these documents. Uh, but yeah, then people started looking into like, who did this? Cause obviously the, the weirdo fanboys were like, obviously the FTC mm-hmm. leaked this to get back at Microsoft. And it's like, no, they wouldn't do that shit. Um, and yeah, they, Essentially, seems to be that Microsoft probably accidentally sent in the wrong uh, documents as far as mm-hmm. redaction and that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, Douglas Farrar, director of its Office of Public Affairs, said the FTC was not responsible for up- uploading Microsoft's plans for its games and consoles to the court website. He shared a new court order released by the judge in the case. It called for both the FTC and Microsoft to meet again to go over the issues with exhibits. Place the blame squarely on the letter for the latest leak. Mm-hmm. Uh, the court ordered the parties to meet and confer 
and provide the court with a secure cloud link to the admitted exhibits with the redactions set forth in the court's orders. Microsoft provided the leak on September 14th, mm-hmm. and the court uploaded the exhibits to the internet page established for this case. Essentially, like they somebody messed up and either didn't apply the redactions properly or uploaded the the unredacted version. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's definitely a whole thing there. And also, Phil Spencer had to say something, and he very much said the the weird corporate thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, tweeting here, we've seen a conversation around old emails and documents. It is hard to see our team's work shared in this way because so much has changed and there's so much Mm -hmm. to be excited about right now Mm -hmm. in the future we will share the real plans when we are ready it's like okay you can sit here and be like oh these aren't the real plans Mm -hmm. so don't worry about that and then obviously a an in-depth memo sent out to xbox employees got leaked and so he mentions a lot of the same kind of stuff Mm -hmm. here uh today several documents submitted in the court proceedings related to our proposal Proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard were unintentionally disclosed. I know this is disappointing, even if many of the documents are well over a year old and our plans have evolved. Mm. I also know we all take this take the confidentiality of our plans and our partners' information very seriously. This leak obviously is not us living up to that expectation. We learn from what happened and be better off going forward. We all put incredible amounts of passion and energy into our work, and this is never how we want that hard work to be shared with the community. Mm. That said, there's so much more to be excited about. And when we're ready, we'll share the real plans with our players. In closing, I appreciate all the work that you pour into Team Xbox to surprise and delight our players. In the days and weeks ahead, let's stay focused on what we can control. Continuing the amazing success of Starfield and the upcoming launch of the incredible and accessible Forza Motorsport. Continuing to build game services and devs that millions of players can enjoy. Mm -hmm. Phil. And it's like, you can tell that he definitely knew this was going to leak out as well because he very much fills that with a lot of corporate marketing speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very much like you could have said this in like two sentences, uh, but you spread it out so you can make sure you mention that, you know, Forza Motorsport, that that's coming out soon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how well Starfield's done, uh, all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, yep, this is that kind of corporate speak that uh, can be really annoying to see as somebody who does not like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much uh, fluff there is in that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there you go. Phil says to wait for when they have uh, the right time and place to share the real plans. And people definitely take that and compare it to these documents and Mm -hmm. see what changed since then. So, there you go. That's kind of all the the Xbox, uh, Microsoft Mm -hmm. leaks. Relating to this FTC case, uh, to kind of give you a heads up, there's probably going to be a new Xbox Series X mm-hmm. refresh. Uh, whether it's, you know, they have no disc slot in there or maybe like the, the rumored Sony stuff where they'll have like an you know external one you can connect to it in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll happen probably some sort of new Xbox controller with some some haptic feedback in there and some other stuff. Mm-hmm. We'll be neat to see and yeah. Some nice stuff there, so yeah, there you go mm-hmm. for the Xbox leaks, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's gonna do it for the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of stuff happened here last show of the month. Yep. Uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with some new uh, mm-hmm. news and stuff to talk about. Hopefully, more good stuff than bad. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Unity can shut up for a week mm-hmm. and not do anything bad. Uh, but yeah, thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoy the show, if you let friends and family know, they should check it out and uh, select mm-hmm. strangers uh, that uh, you know also will not work on games on Unity anymore. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, but yeah, thank you to Brandon Danner for joining this week. Always. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new slate of news to talk about. And we'll see you all next time. Have a good one.